and welcome to the first episode of Sorry for Your Lost podcast. Thanks for listening and for being here, and I hope that you find some value in what you're about to hear. I'm Ellen Schwartz. I'm your host. In the coming episodes, you'll hear interviews that I conducted with my friends and family about grief. Talking about grief is not something that many people do naturally, myself included. And when my friend Holly's dad died a few years ago, I completely froze. I had no idea what to say to her. This struck me as very odd. How could I not know what to say to my best friend? How is there such a gap in societal norms? Lucky for me, Holly and I were tight enough to be able to talk about this, and we realized that it's pretty ridiculous that no one really knows what to do when someone's grieving. I hope these podcasts and these conversations open up an opportunity for individual conversations around grief and death so that eventually we can all support each other as friends, as family, as a community, maybe even as citizens of the world. Sounds cheesy, but it might just work. I've discovered along the way that there's really no right way to have a conversation about grief, but as long as you're open to the discussion, it really won't be the wrong conversation. And you'll be a better friend because you can support the person who you care about. As I mentioned, this podcast idea came out of Holly and Mai's shared experience with not understanding what to do after her dad died. So I'm really proud for this first episode to be an interview with her about her dad, Ernie. Here it is. I feel like we can just move on then to just talking about you and your dad. Dad. Oh, Dad. Tell me about Ernie. What do you want the world to know about Ernie? Oh, my gosh. Other than everything. Everything. Oh, my dad was hilarious, especially in his own mind, for sure. He would make himself laugh all the time. Um, He was a really hard worker, so he works in unions, uh, was a laborer, then labor foreman for a long time. Um, he was in a lot of pain, so he had back issues. He'd run jackhammers and done all that uh, when he was younger working. So um, I know I know. at one point we'd had some issues with her. My mom had had some issues. I can bring her in as an expert, uh, <laughs> uh, as an expert on my dad. <laughs> <laughs> But I know, I know when he was, I think, mid-30s, mid to late 30s, he had um, an issue with pain pills. So that was something that happened, too, just because I think he was in so much pain, just became a natural thing and um, just taking a lot. So she and my aunt, I know, um, at one point talked to him about that, tried to work about it, and I think he was taking less. Um, you know, he, he also had a really hard life, so I think he had eight brothers and sisters, um, I think nine total with him. So it was just a lot. They lived in the city and then moved out to the country. Um, and yeah, I just think, I think he dealt with a lot growing up. And so um, he and my mom met, uh, moved to, you know, the St. Louis suburbs and um, had us. And, you know, he's still just like hard worker all the time. Um yeah, it's the, mostly what I remember a lot of is like, you know, he was always up at like six in the morning going to work, um, home like around five, but, um, and then the winter time, uh, you know, being, it was more of a seasonal no, kind of seasonal job, but usually they would get laid off in the winter time. So that's when he would like cook us dinner and our neighbor B would always give him recipes to try and stuff. So, uh, it was fun. And, you know, in the summer we'd hang out a lot if you ever, you know, 
sometimes jobs would end early and then he'd get to hang out. So that was just generally like a fun, like life of the party, like fun person, like very street smart. So he's the one that my brother and sisters and I would always call if, you know, you have any kind of car issue or any kind of like, where do I find this dad? So he'd always joke like, you guys only call me when you want something. I was like, you know exactly what's how to find everything. Like, <laughs> so even like growing up, I mean, he's always had a project. He was flipping like, uh, cars or like whatever so he's always like ha- buying something to sell and make money on so just that kind of like street smart you know uh, guy so uh, you know obviously love my dad a lot um, and as he got older like he was in some more pain he had some uh, issues with his wrists and um, you know he'd had some carpal tunnel like surgeries and different things and just led to him not being able to do the job as well and that's when he became like the labor foreman um, but and it kind of like helped with more projects other than being able to work. So I think he ended up doing like an early retirement um, when he was probably 55, I think, through the union. And uh, I had just taken a new job in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, and knew he was kind of struggling. He had some issues. Um, we talked pretty regularly. I mean, mm-hmm. I did this stereotypical not always answering the phone when your parents call kind of thing um my mom was always very very persistent <laughs> and i tell me like hey, your dad says we can never answer i just keep telling him just keep calling her she'll answer <laughs> she, um but i think i was um just really absorbed in starting this new career i come from the beer industry i'm learning something new um you know, I'm doing wheelchair accessibility, and it just took a lot of, like, learning curve, new city, trying to make friends, that kind of thing, um, so I wasn't as, um, you know, I probably wasn't as involved in his life in that moment, like, while he was retiring, so every time I talked to him, it was great, you know, he was just telling me about um, all of his plans, and buying some lakefront property, and was going to, you know, make this little weekend place was kind of close to me. So I'd be able to just like drive up and be able to like chill with him, my aunt's place. And so all those things. And so one night, um, uh, early July, you know, I got a call and, uh, you know, it was just dad, you need dad's in the hospital. You need to come home. That's really all the information I got. And it, there was something inside that just knew like something was wrong. And, um, so I was supposed to be getting on the train to Chicago the next day. So I just quickly repacked my bag um, and, you know, started driving. It was just like this torrential rain. So it ended up taking me like five or six hours to get to St. Louis from Memphis, which should have been a, I don't know, like four and a half hour drive, something like that. But, um, but I didn't get a call, a single, like one call, the whole drive. And that was the most alarming thing. So I knew something was like really bad. And obviously they didn't want me to be worried while I was driving. So, um, yeah, and all I kept thinking is like, I think I, I think in my head, I was just repeating, like, wait for me, dad, wait for me. I'm, I'm almost done coming. Like, wait. And, um, so I think I got there like around one or two in the morning and it found out that he had um you know it was suicide and he had shot himself um the my you know sister-in-law had been home that day and he saw the kids and um you know um seemed like a normal day he gave them money to go get lunch or something like that and uh 
And then he was like downstairs in the basement in the shower. And then once my brother came home, I realized like Shannon had been busy with the kids and not really noticed what was happening downstairs. But so my brother is the one that found him. Um, he was still breathing. He was still breathing. So that's, he, he was in the hospital. Um, and, you know, so in some way, you know, it, not everyone gets this when it comes to suicide, obviously. And he wasn't conscious. You know, I wasn't able to have a conversation with him, but in my own way, I got to hold his hand and say goodbye and, um, you know, to kind of ask for forgiveness and, um, you know, for any, anything that I had done, you know, yeah, and forgive him for the times I had, you know, um, yelled at him or been upset with him, different things, you know, and so, yeah. um, yeah, so it was, um, it was a different, it was a different suicide experience I think a lot of people get to have and, or that people have, I, I mean, for what, for what it can be, it's like, you feel a little bit fortunate just that I, I got to have those moments and, um, I got to talk to the nurses about what was happening and, um, um, I ended up being the last person in the room and, uh, because my brother was in there for a little bit and he went out to go with be with my mom um and I sat with him for I don't know how long but I you know I got up I left to go to the bathroom and um probably not five minutes after that is when we heard quote blue um so there's something inside me that thinks he did wait for me to come to which yeah. is you know um it's good but um yeah, so they, you know, obviously at that point, they couldn't revive him, and, um, yeah, and, you know, yeah, so we had to make that call, which was really, really difficult, especially, um, you know, just a difficult thing to have to do. So, I mean, fast forward a couple hours, you know, you leave the hospital, and then you're left then with, like, picking up those other pieces, and, and that's when, um, you know, it's just just a very strange place to be in and um you know he had left some notes around so um, we went back to the house and kind of tried to make sense of what we could and like I said my dad was like life of the party so nobody like fully understood but um yeah. he been without his meds for like four days we found out the pain meds that you know he'd been on for a really long time and his prescription was out and he wasn't due to get any more for a while so we don't know if that had to do with it or um just a lot of things i mean in that same week um my parents had separated years and years before and so that was also um the week that they signed the paperwork making the divorce official so i think wow. that depression mixed with not having your meds mixed with all these things um and you know, as I talk through my brother and sister, which I would like to have them both on the show at some point too, but, um, you know, we, I talk with them about, it's like, how many times had we been in that shower before, right? Like, how many times he thought about this? Or, I mean, did he have the notes already written out? You know, because yeah. you don't know what's going through someone's head. And like, if... Um, you just don't know. It's not your experience, right? And it's not your, um, you know, it's easy to say, I don't know, but like, I wouldn't do that or that's, you know, crazy blah, blah, blah. And, and nobody, nobody really believes. It's like, 
because Ernie was always the life of the party and he was, you know, that person. So it's really hard for people to even accept, like when you tell them, like, what? No, not Ernie. I mean, that's what I get a lot. Like, yep, Ernie. <laughs> it's, it's true, you know? So I think that's what also makes it hard for me um, to gauge, like, when to tell, like, closer friends or things. Like, obviously, I'm not going to say anything, but um, I think we talked about this in a previous interview, but sometimes it's, it's easier if you don't you know the person or how to gauge the response because I sometimes you don't want a pity party because alone when you tell someone your dad has died they're just like oh my gosh like I'm so sorry blah 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 and so then when you throw like the suicide thing on top of it you're just like all right like I I'm not like <laughs> in a place where I want to like deal with your emotions today and so I you know like I'm doing okay I'm having a good day I. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know it's selfish in some ways because maybe it's something they need to talk about so I've been better at um coming up with like ways to say it and talk about it that like, are, what, like like how do you say it um gosh I don't know it kind of depends on it depends on the person and what our conversation's like so I never just throw it out like if they go oh how do you die I mean sometimes I definitely lie I mean not totally yeah. lie. I'm like, oh, complications like, with heart issues because they couldn't get his heart to start pumping again. So that's like my default. If I don't know you and trust well you. enough. Yeah, like, it, and it's not even trust, but it's like, it, I don't know. Sometimes it's just, it's that faux pas thing, right? About suicide and, uh-huh. and um, yeah, like being like more taboo and whatever, because obviously if you're like, oh yeah, sudden heart attack, you get definite, a different response. And if I'm like, yeah, it was suicide, he shot himself, then that's like, you know, it's just totally different and yeah. a different kind of shock and amazement and whatever. But I mean, that being said, here's the asterisk is that the more people I talk to, the more people know someone who's committed suicide, you know, not necessarily their direct family member, but someone, you know, a right. good friend, family, family, something like everyone is touched by this. It just sometimes, you know, I guess it's, I guess it's the worry of like getting someone who hasn't been, and then you have to deal with kind of a different conversation or uh, maybe a different kind of sympathy that doesn't always feel good. Like the, Oh, Oh, you know? Yeah. <laughs> just, well, yeah. Like feeling like they've suddenly now, changed this idea like your dad could be anybody until that point and then that'll color it because it's such a like taboo thing right the more specific thing and that's what I'm trying to get like is that taboo just in my head Mm -hmm. or is that something that everyone actually thinks but you know in in different reactions maybe I'm more fearful of those reactions than I should be so I think it's gotten better. So I mean, it's almost, we're going on four years this summer. So it's definitely become better. But for a long time, and I couldn't even research suicide. I mean, which is yeah. my normal go-to is to kind of make, like explain the why of something. And I just didn't want to. I didn't want to, I didn't want to explain it. I didn't want to, I didn't want to think about it. I didn't want to lie about it, even to myself. But I didn't, I didn't want to try to put myself in my dad's shoes, um, which is what I'm really thankful for like even doing this podcast and things because um, it's just led me to grow in that way where I'm going to try to understand a little more about what happens in the brain and why 
you know, why that can make sense at the time when all these things are happening. And because it's not just one thing, it's not just meds, it's not just like signing a document, it's not just like, you know, it, it's a compilation of all these, you know, it's just a compilation of a lot of things over time. And, you know, and then it's conversations you don't have about death and what happens when someone dies. And that's something that we've all changed too, because that here's just another, you know, so someone dies no matter how they die. And now you have to like, do they want to be cremated? Do they want to be buried? Do they want music? Do they not want music? Like, what do they want for this thing? And it's just not something we talked about. We did not have those conversations. And while hard, yes, I mean, it would have been really great to have those conversations. So we've talked to my mom a little bit about it now, about what she wants and uh, and all of us, actually, because who knows? I mean, anything can happen sure. to anyone at any day. So, you, you know, nothing is, um, I guess, what's the word? nothing is. No one's off the table, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. Makes so. sense. It just makes sense to kind of have it out in the open. Well, something, even like a general thing, because I think that's where like, so you're, you're shocked, you're in a state of shock, and then you have to make all these really big decisions, and we talked about this before, but just even uh, choosing the cards, and the thing, you know, it's like, we're not Catholic, my dad wasn't super religious, like, so, not that he wouldn't have liked a scripture verse, but nothing just felt like my dad, you know, and so we ended up finding, um, you know, we found out really, uh, really good little verse about um, not being sad, and remembering the good things, um, and, you know, and that felt better for me. Um, yeah. And Ellen, you even made me because I, I mean, we had that conversation. I was just like, I hate all of these. And I was coming from a place of marketing and sales. And I'm like, not in the right mindset to do this, but I would just like make one for him if I was, you know, like, that's yeah. what I would rather do, like make my own card because this is bullshit. And like, I don't want any of it. And that's just, I was just angry, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> I was angry with everything. And then, you know, having to make all these choices and yeah, my, you know, and nobody knew what to do. So it was like me, my brother, sister, and my mom was just like, yeah, like what, what next? Like this just felt, it felt, I don't know. There's another thing I want to change about the world. Just redo the whole system of like funerals and stuff. Cause it just right. felt, I don't know. Not that it can feel good, but like. Not a good sales experience, I would say. <laughs> um, a very professional sense. Yeah, right. So, yeah. Um, um, that actually kind of reminds so that me making you the the prayer card was like a thing that I felt like I could do. It was like, I'm thinking it's like, I can't, I'm on the other side of the state after that. You know, I went to see you at very first, but then it, I had to go home. So it's like, I'm on the other side of the state. I can't. I don't understand what I can do, but it's like, if ho- if I could do one thing for Holly, here's what it is. And I sent you this, you know, the bald eagle thinking of Bernie Mills. Um, and so it was an example, it's an example of like one solid, like practical thing I could have done. What, you know, you didn't wind up being able to use it obviously, but what are some of those examples of what people did? Like that really that stood out for you kind of in that fog. Right. Um, and like I said, I had just moved to Memphis from being from Springfield. So um, I'm working, you know, yeah. in the beer industry for a long time there. Uh, not a long time. I worked at Capri there for four years. But um, I, you know, little things. So, I mean, first off, Ellen, you rented a car and drove across the state to hang out for me for a few hours because I was, I mean, it was hard for me to 
it was actually hard. You came into town. I think you were Doug and Kelly's. I was like, well, come to Doug and Kelly's. And it was hard because I couldn't, it was hard to leave my family, like to leave them. Mm-hmm. And that was like difficult too. And so I think you came over the next morning and then yeah. I was like, I think I slept in a little bit and you hung out with like me and my mom or something. But um, yeah, yeah, it's like this weird, strange depression that comes over to you. Just like, I don't know what I want. <laughs> right. I don't know what to ask you to do. But having you to hug me was probably, you know, number one, just having you there. Um, Michelle came in to town and she was able to stay for a couple of days. So uh, that was just a godsend. And some, it was like, we're out of toilet paper. And Michelle was like, on it, going to the store, doing this, blah, blah, blah. And so yeah. she kind of just helped like run things. Um, Michael, my boyfriend at the time was kind of the same. Like I remember him making food. Um my aunt made us a lot of food as well. Um, and just having those people as presents like for you mm-hmm. really strong, you know. Um, and little things like like at the funeral, my friend Kate brought me some mother's beer to the, you know, like she was like, what kind of beer do you want? I was like, I don't, you know, the, that'd be great. Like any mother's beer is just awesome because that was just, you know, yeah, happy, happy memories and something that just felt comfortable and like home. And so, yeah, so she brought me beer, you know, which, which they were like, you can't drink it inside, blah, 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 which, side note, like, my dad's friends and, like, family and stuff, they had, like, tailgate outside, so they had, like, some pop-up tents and coolers yeah. and stuff, which my dad definitely wanted, and there was, like, 300-plus people there, um, yeah. so, yeah, so, I mean, that, that just shows, you know, and not that, I know some people don't have all, like, that many people in their lives, so, especially later on in life, because people come in and out, but, um, for me and my dad dying and all those people showing up, um, made the difference because not that you remember every conversation or every person that you actually talked to. It's just that I remember just that outpouring of support from people and people being there. And that was, you know, just the most important. And I'm sure people brought food and things. Um, and when I got back to Memphis, and so that was the hard part is like, I'm at home for a week, right? And you're surrounded by people. And then I go back to a new city that, you know, I don't really have as many friends at and, you know, you have to mm-hmm. go back to work and not that everything has to be okay. But um, I had made, um, you know, Erica is just one of my best friends there. And um, it was really special to have like to have at least one friend that like you knew you could call like if I had a bad day and I needed to just go get dinner and not be by myself um that was you know that was really strong and important because I know like like I know everyone else is a phone call away and I know we had many conversations during that time like hands down but um even having so yeah like those days where it just was harder to yeah uh, get through and you know and I like to talk about it in waves right and um because sometimes the waves were like really strong and really hard. And then other times uh, you can see it coming on those anniversaries and things and you kind of know how to brace yourselves and what to do. And so like for my dad, like our thing was always going for breakfast. So that was what mm-hmm. we did, um, especially when my parents separated. So we would meet up and usually some kind of greasy spoon place. And so that's what I like to do is even though it's not – not the healthiest of options, but I like to find some greasy spoon and um, go have yeah. a cup of coffee and um, a greasy dinner. Uh, yeah. Um, and, you know, but um, that's hard. But 
Um, yeah, so I think that was just some of the hard things is like figuring out, figuring out like what I needed to do to not get swallowed up by the grief, but to mm -hmm. acknowledge, you know, it's like uh, you yeah. need to acknowledge my dad and his memory, um, but not let it bring you down too far to where you can get out. Because I mean, yeah, some days are just, some days yeah. don't do anything. And so, I, you know, I've had a couple of those blue days and days that I, um, yeah, I just like haven't wanted to leave my house, which is, you know, so it goes in yeah. those different kind of flows too. And I'm Did you ever, very happy. go ahead. Did you ever feel like you couldn't get out of the grief? Um, no, I always, I always like talk myself through everything and like the whys and, um, mm -hmm. you know, our last messages were of love. And so, yeah. um, so I just kind of remind myself of those things and that usually mm -hmm. to, to get through. Have you had other people that have had trouble like getting swallowed up by it? Not necessarily. Um, I just didn't know if it'd be a thing where you don't notice it and kind of what, on a really bad day, what would you have done to help, like to get yourself out? Or like, if you don't notice it, what could someone have done to like, kind of pull you, help pull you back to shore, I guess? Yeah. Um, I've been pretty self-aware about it. So a lot of times what I'll do is I will schedule calls with some of my good friends that are away. So um, I've got that list. And so whether they know it or not, I don't always like preface it with this is what yeah. I'm calling you today. Sometimes I do. If I need to do, then I do. But sometimes I don't. And sometimes it's just like having them to talk to for an hour, maybe about something else is what helps pull me out. So it can just be a phone call. Um, you know, I kind of just to get my mind out, like away off of something else or, uh, you know, I like to make plans. So I like to schedule things and, and trips and people coming in. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's kind of hard. And I guess it just depends on the day. Cause some days if it's like worse, I, I want a physical person to like go yeah. out to eat with me or go hikes. I mean, now I'm in Colorado, so now my default is like, I'm going to go hike something. And, um, I found that's a place that I like to talk to my dad. Um, it's just, you know, when yeah. I'm out hiking, not necessarily on the summit, but, uh, in route, in route to summit, um, there's been good places to kind of talk through things. And that's been a different kind of therapy, um, that I think helped a lot. Um, cause I guess I moved, yeah, I guess I moved here like two years after, less than two years after um, he passed away. But mm -hmm. um, but I found different ways to cope here, even than I did in Memphis. So Memphis might have been a bike ride, or um, there was this lake that I really liked out there. So I'd go like sit by that lake. So nature's always been a big thing for me to to mm -hmm. get out. Um, yeah, and you do that kind of as well. Yeah. So when you do tell people or just talk to people about, you know, your dad's, or if they ask about your dad and you tell them that he's not alive anymore, how do they react? And I guess, what would you think is a better, or is it like a good reaction? Oh, it's hard. 
um, you know, people are just like very sympathetic. They're like, oh no, I'm so sorry, blah, blah, blah. And then, and usually people relate with another story or something like I've also lost my dad or, you know, something like that. And what I found is just that everyone's, it's, it's okay to, I mean, obviously like you have something to relate to, but what I found is like everyone's story is so unique. So even if someone else's dad died of suicide, their situation and the circumstances are so different that while you might find something to be able to connect on, it's just like each experience is vastly different. Even my brother and sisters to mine is going to be vastly different. My brother found my dad. It, so his experience and grief process is so much different um, than even what I'm, what I went through or going through um, and my sister same you know it's just we we all have different relationships with our father um good and bad I mean you know just like any relationship you have harder times and so um that's been good for us but so like your question was um when someone asks I don't think there's an appropriate response and I think people's responses are mostly genuine um it's just a tough topic right like it's a tough thing to talk about anyway and so that's why I think from previously I sometimes just gauge your response and I and I can't I'm trying to pinpoint like one exact like when somebody does something what do I decide um I don't know I guess I just gauge on the person and what I know about them and how much I think they're ready to handle at that moment because uh-huh. it's just such, such a like feel so abrasive to be like oh yeah my dad died how did I oh suicide yeah I shot himself like right <laughs> like, you know it's just, very odd like especially if you're having like some other kind of conversation and so it kind of depends like what we're doing and how much time we have and you know so sometimes I've also said like um you know I'd love to tell you about it but it's something I'd, I'd like to talk about a different day so I have sure. that a couple times um, which actually feels a lot better because you know I'm not saying no or sometimes I say like it was suicide um you know I'd love I I'm happy to talk about it like I'm fine sometimes I like reassure people <laughs> I feel yeah. like it's my job to reassure people like I'm fine like I've come to terms with it but um because right. I'm instantly worried about you and how you're how you're handling it without even knowing the situation right because they don't even right. know yet what's happening and there's just this immediate um you know, some, I don't know what to call it. Someone just, like, wants to take care of you, like, immediately. And it's, like, and that's not a bad thing. It's not mm-hmm. a bad, you know, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. But there's sometimes, like, that also, you know, it's just, like, you're not mentally prepared, like, going, like, go into it again. It's just, like, if right. you know, I need to be ready. I need to be ready to talk about it. And if I feel like I'm going to break in any way, that's when I lie about it or I say, let's do this another time. And so, right. you know, so I'm gauging myself and the person and maybe – I'm guessing like what the response is because I think it's going to be like too much. The response is, I think it's going to be too much. That's when I'm like, okay, today's not the day. I'm not ready for whatever reasons. Um, and I try to tune into that see like what, how I'm feeling. And yeah, um, because I want to talk about my dad because I want his memory to be alive. And I would like, you know, this to someday spawn into a way for us to help, you know, people through lots of things. Um, or maybe, you know, me help people through lots of things too, but yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't like to, I don't, I don't feel, I don't always feel good when I lie about it, but I know it kind of helps me. Right. <laughs> like, it's a moment. Yeah. So yeah. Well, I think- like 
work, like I've noticed at work, it's, it's just my, uh, so I, um, we sell rent and service wheelchair accessible vehicles and then we, um, will install equipment like hand controls, um, for, you know, any kind of spinal cord injury, um, you know, so mm -hmm. we help people with that. So sometimes I also like, don't want to like a lot of people, because we get into pretty heavy topics, right? Because we're talking about their situations and their grief and what they're going through and, you know, losing yeah. your ability to walk is um, is a different kind of grief and a different thing that you have to go through and struggle through. And so sometimes I don't want to burden them with these other things because it's like I'm taking away from their story and their, their right you know, had to do or, and to deal with and grow through. So like, I don't, so I definitely lie about it a lot of work just because you know, it doesn't feel appropriate to get in that. But unless they've told me some story. So if it, if it feels appropriate, then obviously um, that's okay. But yeah, so I think I just like gauge the person, my mood that day, how I'm mm -hmm. feeling um, to then decide. So I don't think people are necessarily, I, I think people are mostly like caring but it's just when they're not expecting it. And I think that's what all of us, right? Because right. now, now nothing surprises me. I'm like, oh, yeah, people die, like, all the time. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, and not to be, yeah. like, no, yeah, I mean, that's whatever. But now it's like, okay, like, do you want to talk about it? So that's kind of how I phrase it when someone brings me something because I get it. And it's like, okay, do you want to talk about this today or not? I'm here listening here if you want. If you don't want, totally fine. Like, I don't. Yeah, I, think, I don't need you to push me any certain way. Like, it's about the person, right? It's like, so yeah. if they feel like talking about it, yeah, bring it on. And if they don't, I like just, and I, and I was trying to think of what I did before my dad. And, you know, I just think I was less aware of how to react to people in a way that's comfort, like that's that doesn't feel like they have to do anything. And that's, I guess that's what I like. That's the response I like is someone who will offer to listen, but not like start asking a million questions, you know, or, you know, cause it's just yeah. like said, so different. So I, I think, know. yeah, that's definitely a common theme I've been hearing in these interviews is that it's not like, you know, it is based on you from day to day. And if you just, if, you know, it comes up in conversation normally. And then I, my reaction before doing all these interviews would have just been like, what do I say? Oh no. But like right. the reaction is just, it's a, it's still a normal conversation. You're a normal human. Just say, God, like, I'm sorry for your loss. Do you want to talk about it? And then like, don't like at that point, just accept whatever your answer is and either listen and like, then we get to talk about your dad, which is great for you. And like, I learn about you or you say like, just, you know, the person is not going to break down into tears in front of you. It's, or in front of me, I suppose. Like, and again, if they right. do, then let the, okay. Like, you're a good friend. Like, let them cry. Let them have their moment. So. Right. Well, I think that's what we like to do, too, is we like to connect. And we like to tell people, like, we understand by, like, mm -hmm. throwing in our experiences. And sometimes it's appropriate and sometimes not. Um, right. Because, kind of like talked earlier, you know, everyone has, well, not everyone, not everyone, but some people have suicide stories they can relate to um but it's just it's sometimes appropriate and sometimes not so I think that is different too and I think the way I listen and the way I interact with someone has changed as well um mm -hmm. for when it's appropriate to throw in my two cents or how I can relate because sometimes it's just not necessary 
sometimes you yeah. don't need to it doesn't it doesn't matter yeah <laughs> if you know someone you feel good right like it, it just matters that like you're listening to me and my story and that's the point of like you know that conversation and but I mean on the other hand if you need to work through your grief that's something else that maybe some people take that as a way of like oh I haven't had anyone else to talk to about suicide because I haven't known anyone else you know which nobody's actually explicitly said that to me but I might think of it that way differently just as we talked this out <laughs> well what you just said is like if you're really listening to the other person it becomes a lot more obvious what you should be responding to instead of I think our culture right now it's a lot of I'm gonna wait for my turn to talk instead of I'm gonna listen and respond to you yeah so I don't know yeah it would be interesting just to figure out a way to make the dialogue about suicide because it is so taboo a little better and there are um some like grief dinners that happen around the country probably the world but uh people that are going through these issues um and we can link this to you on this episode, but so there are, uh, yeah, tell me a bit more about that. Cause I'm not, you've told me a little about it, but I'm not very familiar. Yeah. And I haven't been to one, which I actually, it's on, I want to, I want to go this year. So, you know, I make themes for each year of yeah. life. So this year it was a self-care year. And since I haven't really addressed a lot of my grief issues, I think it um, is one of the things I'm going to try to focus more on. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just do counseling and stuff after after my dad died, but um, I tend to say what people want to hear hmm. rather than, you know, yeah, I was learning how to talk about it at the time too, so, yeah. um, but I think I'm going to revisit that and go to, but from my understanding, so the grief dinner is as you go, um, sometimes there will be themes, so it's someone who is a, um, like a suicide survivor, so a family member um, of someone who has committed suicide, but it's just an evening where, you know, you can have an open candid conversation and with a group of people who have had to have these hard conversations and, um, you know, how they're grieving and what they do and how to help each other kind of through it. So um, there are some here in Colorado Springs, Colorado. So I'm going to check one out, I think, uh, later this year. But, um, right. but yeah, so I think they have different themes and it just depends, I think, on who's organizing it in the city. But... Um, but yeah, so that's something that exists and there's just a lot more, um, I think when I was doing some research, so my friend Kelly, who's in Colorado too, her mom passed away and, um, you know, we had talked as well and I think she'll probably be uh, a guest at some point as well, but, um, yeah, just about the options. Cause she, she actually told me about a couple of these things that I was like, yeah, I haven't really looked into it much. So I haven't been, you know, acknowledging any of this. So, but it's a, it's a piece yeah. of you, you know, my dad's story and there's no reason I shouldn't talk about it more. So yeah. happy with uh, all these mediums to, to talk about it. But, um, so I mean, how has your grief changed over time? I know, I mean, you and I have talked about this, but mm-hmm. What, I guess for our listeners, what what would you want them to know about kind of what you've gone through? Um, that's a good question. So probably at first, it was just lots of crying. I mean, it was lots of crying. Um, you know, like, yeah, and anytime I just think of my dad, I just, I felt really guilty. So you know, I was like, I, 
I'm an aware smart person. I should have picked up on all these cues. And I knew, I knew things were wrong. I knew he wasn't like totally okay, but we talked about what he was doing, you know, like, um, I got him a Fitbit and he was, you know, doing that. And we were, you know, I was like trying to do some other things that, um, I don't know if he'd actually used it yet, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, we were like talking, you know, like we were setting future plans and I was doing those things, but, um, there's just some days where the guilt was so heavy. Um, because, you know, um, I was bad at responding to text messages and calls all the time. And, um, and so there's like guilt about that. Like, well, if I would have been more present and been more of that. And, um, when my parents split up, like I didn't, there wasn't really a room to stay in at the house. Um, so he's like, just stay with me tonight. And I like, didn't. And so there's just those times where, you know, so you're thinking through like all the things and that, that was probably immediately after in the next six to 12 months. I mean, that was pretty consistent, especially with it being suicide was that it was my fault because I didn't pick up on all these things and the things I should have done would have saved him. And, um, that's how I, I think I came back around to that realization that, I mean, how many times he thought about it through his life? Like, not in the last five years even, uh -huh. but like through his life. I don't know. I don't know the answers to those questions. I can't ask him anymore, but, but I also can't blame myself. I had to let go. So I tried as best I can. And, and there's still moments when that creeps back up that guilt, um, you know, yeah. Like the, our last messages are pictures of the grandkids and us saying, I love you to each other. So, I mean, that is something, yeah. you know, we weren't in a fight, we weren't, um, negative, you know, negative. I was really down on myself because our last father's day, I just didn't go how I wanted it. Cause sometimes I, you know, I want to do a certain thing. They want to do something else. And we end up like, it was just like a very, uh, yeah. So the last time we were in person, it wasn't the best. Um, and that was really hard to work through because yeah, we, we'd always like butted heads. I mean, he always told me I should have been a lawyer because uh, <laughs> I would always argue all kinds of things. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, um, but the guilt, the guilt was, is really tough and that was the hardest thing to work through. And I don't, I did a lot of journaling. So I like wrote out, you know, everything I could think of and, you know, the things I, it's not one thing, right? Like it's not one conversation. It's not one argument. And that's, I think where I came to that place. Like, um, I, you know, I, I yeah. felt resigned to, you know, it's not one thing I said or one argument we had or one day that I told him he was wrong about the food eating and caloric intake for the day or whatever it was like, right. you know, those things aren't, it's not that they don't matter. They matter. But I can't, you know, my, my brother, my sister, myself, my mom, like nobody can actually take any of that responsibility on themselves. No. And that, that was the hardest part about that first year because I have those moments where you just break down. And you're like, I could have, I could have stopped this. I could have, you know, done X, Y, Z. I could have been better. I could have listened more. I could have, you know, um, cause he could be really negative sometimes. And I remember our conversations just be, I was like, dad, I need you to like, I need you to start this conversation with something positive. I know I like, I'll listen to like all the negative stuff, but I was like, I like, you've got to tell me, like, we've got to start and end with something happy. It's wow, yeah. one, you, know, you know what I mean? And so like, we'd have some conversations like that cause he would just get 
frustrated with whatever. And I think he, you know, being in retirement, he had a lot more time on his hands and what to do with it. So, um, so it's easy to focus on lots of negative things. And so, you know, he got to a point where he's like, Holly, I'm happy today. <laughs> that was the first thing you tell me. I'm like, good. <laughs> cause I, you know, so I just like talked to him a lot about, um, not focus, you know, cause I just kept telling him the more you focus on the negative crap that it's just going to keep bringing you down. And so it's like, well, you know, there's different ways that I could handle that too. And I could have, you know, um, I mean, you can play that, that, that game. For years. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, I recommended him going to counseling and stuff, which he didn't want to do. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard because I still believe truly, I mean, obviously you understand this too, but it's like living my life has meant not being in the same city as my family for a long time, like 15 years. And, um, you know, it's like, you know, you feel kind of selfish sometimes because like, well, would I have changed everything had I stayed? I mean, had I stayed, would that have made the difference? I don't know, you know, but I also know, um, the people I've met along this journey that, you know, in Springfield and Memphis and Colorado now, I don't know. So it's like, yeah. you know, what, I don't know if there's a right, but I know like the journey I'm on and what directions I've been led to feel right and feel like for a greater good, at least within my time on this planet. But that's, was the hard part too. It's like, well, if I, you know, hadn't been selfish and I decided to stay close to home, move back home, like, would I, my presence there have been able to change, you know, what he did and also don't know that. And like I said, it could be just a deeply rooted issue from a long time ago. And even then, I mean, wouldn't have helped. And so, yeah. Yeah. So, so as it's changed, I mean, I've, felt better about that um because that was really hard especially the first like year year and a half um and I don't think I think until that day that we like broke down in that pub in Scotland I think was like the first day I'd really well it's the first time I'd seen you since he passed away and I think the first time I'd gotten to like just ugly cry and actually like get feelings out because I'd, I'd had to work and I had to like do these things and um I think I think that's the the problem too is like once you're around your friends a lot you don't want to keep harping on the same thing over and over again or like you feel like a broken record right like I I'm still stuck on this and I mean it's a big thing I mean it's not a small issue obviously and not that like it's bigger or less than anything else but I think that's something you fall into too it's like well, I've already told these people about this. I, it's time to move on now. I can't, I can't have, you know, it's like, I can't have a wave day, but like I did have that friend, my friend Erica. And so if I was having a tough day, like she was a person I could say, Hey, it's a tough day. Like I'm having trouble with my dad or whatever, like on his birthday or yeah. you go with me to the green place. And, you know, so those things are really important. Those people are really special to have. Um, Cause I would never feel bad like telling you about it, but I know like I just moved to this new city and like Erica was the only person that I knew I could never say it too much to her, but like everybody else, it feels like, okay, like this has been months ago. Like I can't, you know, 
dig this stuff up again. It feels like it's, you know, yeah, it just feels like, you know. Yeah, and that's a lot to expect of yourself, I think. And I guess that's also a takeaway that I'm learning because I've not lost anyone like who I am as close to as you are to your dad, where it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't go away. And I think that's something I thought before I had all these conversations is this is just your life now. It doesn't, you don't fix this. You just learn how to cope with it in different ways throughout. Yeah, live with it. Yeah. Yeah. So like, instead of trying to offer you a way to like feel better about it, I should just be offering ways to support you. And I think, I don't, I guess I hope that people realize it's like, if you have a friend who is just bringing stuff up like a broken record, like that's significant and they need to talk about it. Right. So. And And I think it was especially like, had I been in Springfield when he passed away, I think it would be different because I had a whole community of people that I could, you know, I wouldn't, I would unabashedly like have talked about it to and they would have been there to listen to me and not to say the people in Memphis weren't I mean I just you know I I chose to read what they couldn't handle or could did or didn't want to hear and then presented myself in a different way and so then once I started you know so I worked at that pub in Memphis and you know now they're some of my closest friends hands down but um until I worked at the, I mean, I knew them, but I, I, I guess I had to trust. I mean, I had to trust a little bit. I, you know, I, once I got to know them more, I felt more comfortable having those conversations on those days and like talking about my dad. And then it became a therapeutic thing, like to talk about my dad and, um, and then you cry less and, you know, the more you talk about it, the less t- emotional, I mean, I almost, it depends on the day. <laughs> Some yeah. days are just like super emotional and you're just ball bag but like yeah but the more you you know the more I speak his name the more I talk about him it makes it easier yeah it just makes it easier and um and makes you remember like the happy things too and not just that last piece which sucked but like yeah um you know but you get to yeah talk about all those other things and it's just yeah it's different kind of therapy like once you start talking about it but um and so that part is like definitely changed as I've gone along and that's just been time you know it's just time um to process time for us to have these conversations because seriously like that conversation you and I had was it was just really impactful because I got it was just like a release of someone who I like trusted and felt just 100% like I could be vulnerable and not be judged and you know, and talk about you know, the guilty feelings and all these other things. And yeah, and it was just like a good release for me. So thank you for being <laughs> listening and um, a poor waitress, but like. She did great. She's she great. <laughs> um, I don't know. So, so those things are like the most meaningful, I think. And, um, and now obviously, and I know some people are probably, you know, they'd be right away, right? You need to go to like grief dinners and research and like do all these things. And I just need time. Yeah. So I need time to process and, and like, I guess like collect my thoughts too mm-hmm. on it because when you're in that like moment of grief, like ever or guilt, I was in the, I was in the guilt phase and like everything was my fault. And I was just thinking about all those conversations I'd had and the things I'd said that weren't terrible, but like just unnecessary. Um, sure. and, 
I think it was just hard for me to talk about it because I was feeling so guilty that I, I felt responsible in lots of ways for my choices I'd made, um, whether in words or not living at home or like those things. And so that was another reason I didn't want to talk about it because I just felt like, well, end of the day, it's like my, I, I could have stopped this, you know, and, and I didn't. And, oh, yeah. you know, like one, I had to get past that, which I don't know what specific thing, um, but I guess it was just like processing and journaling and um, doing all that. But it, it is, I don't know. It's just, it's tough. So, yeah. What else was on your mind when it came to grief or grieving or your experience? I think what we were just talking about is that like guilt thing. And once, once the guilt subsided, then it allowed me to process in some different ways. So I think finishing that thought was important, but other than that, um, yeah, yeah, no, I think we, yeah, my thought on that was just like the friend's role in that situation is to listen over and over again, even if it's feels repetitive. It's like, just listen Yeah. again. And it's like, I can't, I won't be able to logic you out of the guilt that you feel like you telling you that, of course it wasn't that isn't going to matter because it's in like, it's there, your thoughts. Like you just have to listen. Right. Right. So sometimes that's the problem with just being like too self-aware that you just need to not care sometimes <laughs> how much you say something or yeah. <laughs> sound redundant. But yeah. yeah. Which I guess is like the other good takeaway is like you mentioned this before and I can't remember if I said this or not, but it's like, yeah, you're gonna need to talk about this forever. Like I don't, I should not get mad at you as the person who wants to be your friend. If you need to, if you say this over and over again, it's like, okay, that means you just, it means she needs to talk about it. Just listen. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard for everybody. Thanks I think. For, but. Yeah. So thanks for listening. I'm happy to. And I mean, now, especially it's just, it has been so interesting just listening to everybody's stories and how much space that they hold for their person and how much I didn't know about a lot of these people's people kind of both like how much I didn't know about some of my friends before. And then like how much it, their people mean to them in their life too, is such a special thing to learn and to be led into. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a great space. <laughs> I love actually, I'm going to tell one story that I don't know that I would have done the same. And I've told you this story. So you have to just listen again. I'm sorry. It was like, I don't know that I would have reacted the same way before doing this podcast. And I think talking to my mom specifically who lost her mom ages and ages, like before I was born when she was young, but it's like just asking the, asking someone about their person is a great way to help them open up and just talk about it again to where like, if they mentioned their you know, if you mention your dad and I know that he's dead, I don't have to shy away from it. I can just lean into that conversation. So when you and I were in Spain and it was your dad's birthday, um, we were in the tapas yeah. restaurant and you mentioned like, let's do a toast to Ernie um, or Ernesto since we were in Spain. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think at that, you know, before doing this, I would have just been like, oh yeah, yeah, it's toast to Ernesto. Ha 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 ha. But then I had this yeah. like great, I just thought, you know, a, a question popped in my head. It was just like, well, what, would, what would Ernie do if he's here right now? And your face just lit up and you're just like, oh, you wanted to talk about it. You know, he would buy everything. He would just toast to everything. He would know the bartender. Yeah. 
And it was just, it was such a special moment to me even to know that I helped you like live vicariously again a little bit. And so I I wouldn't have ever had the confidence to ask that. And now that I did, I kind of had, you know, know that that's okay and even good. I I hope that that can continue to happen, I guess, for you and me and for a lot. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it was, it was perfect. It was perfect. So, yeah. Yeah. It, but it, was, it felt so good. I don't know. It's just yeah. such an odd, such an odd feeling to come out of that state. You know, your statement of "let's toast to my dead dad," and now we have like such like a cool little memory. Right. Yeah. So, Our, uh, Kanya and Kanya Tinto. <laughs> That's right. Kanye. Yeah. Well, cool. No, absolutely, and those and and having confidence to say that is so important too because it yeah it can expand that memory in different ways and you're not shy and I'm not shy and yeah and it was just it was just a fun memory so yeah yeah it was great so. it was great yay I thought so yay so confidence for all of any listeners out there just ask the question ask questions Ask questions. If it's not okay, you might get some tears, but then you'll still get answers and it's fine. (laughs) Yeah. Or just let them know. And yeah, it's just never, it's never, it never so far out of all the people I've interviewed and all the people I've randomly talked to about this podcast, Mm -hmm. it seems like the the answer is never don't ask. Like the answer should be like, you can always ask. And for the most part, human like adults are mature people and can say if they don't want to talk about it without you you've not hurt their feelings you have not made them feel uncomfortable they're just not like like you said it's like you're just not in a space where you want to talk about it all the time yeah it's part of your life right yeah it's your Absolutely. decision to make so mm-hmm. well cool well, i love you Absolutely. Good. i love you too thanks for listening to this episode of sorry for your loss For links to any referenced sources, articles, or websites in this episode, visit sorryforyourlosspod.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at sorryforyourlosspod. What did you think? How have you grieved? What helped? Record a message and email it to sorryforyourlosspod at gmail.com and it may be featured on an upcoming episode of this podcast. Sorry for Your Loss was created and produced by Ellen Schwartz with moral support from Holly Mills. Thank you for listening and spread the word. Thank you.